This is the Editor's Half Hour. Step into the life of an editor for 30 minutes as we discuss the craft of editing, industry trends, and editorial resources. Your host is co-founder and CEO of Peak Publishing, Inc., Nadia Jaja Pupa. She is experienced in all facets of the publishing industry, from editing to design, and works with corporate clients and self-published authors. Nadia and her guests are about to share powerful insights and stories on what it takes to be an editor. And this is your host, Nadia Jaja Pupa. Welcome, everyone, to the Editor's Half Hour. Today, we're going to talk about a really awesome topic, which is editing a series. This is a highly relevant topic to me specifically because I'm actually working on a series right now with an author. So today we have Erin Willard. She is, in my eyes, a true expert in this world, especially in fiction. And I would like Erin, please introduce yourself and tell us about what you do and what you edit and what your experience is in the world of editing or in the world of fiction. And um, we're going to dive right into what it takes to edit a series. So go ahead, Erin. Hi, I'm Erin Willard, as you said. My business is Erin Willard Copy Editor, erincopyeditor.com. I I edit, copy edit, primarily fiction, as Nadia said, and created nonfiction, and to me that includes memoir. Uh, And a little bit of line editing, depending on how you describe and define line editing, which varies around the world. I know, it really does. So, yeah, so that's, that's what I do, but yeah, primarily fiction. Awesome. And that's what we're going to talk about when we get into editing a series is really focusing on it from that perspective of the copy editing perspective. Mm-hmm. I am going to maybe interject a little bit on developmental editing, Good. but yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of little things when it comes to this stuff and it can get overwhelming. But let's just walk through it cuz sure. this is exciting. I'm sure let's pretend I'm the client and I'm like typing my email or some in whatever way it is that I connect with you, Erin. Um, I'm sure you do your happy dance when you find out that it's a series because that's fun. It is. Um, so what? let's walk through the process. What's the first thing you do when you're handed the manuscript knowing that there are more coming or that they're also working on book two, book three, whatever the case is, you're, you're going to start with book one. So sure. let's walk through that process. What's the first thing you do when you get the first book of the series? Uh, most of the time when I've started, uh, when I've worked on series, I haven't found out it's a series until later. Oh, um, interesting. But that's okay, you know, because I've I've learned with the first book. Oh, I'm going to do some more. It's like, okay, good. Well, we already know who these characters are and what their characteristics are and such. But you think you know, but you don't always. And that includes the author. The author doesn't always know either. And so yeah. uh, ideally... Uh, it's great to have a good character uh, outline, mm-hmm. and and I'm talking just basic physical characteristics, height, you know, eye color, hair color, uh, age, generally speaking. And then it's it's ideal if you can get like they have sometimes in the beginning of a of a program for a play when they list all mm-hmm. the different characters and who they are and what their relationship is, like, you know, patriarch of the family or whatever. It's really right. helpful to have that up front. In fact, the last one that I, the one I just turned in oh, uh, yeah. last week, she said, oh, I guess it would have helped if you had this. And it was the whole <gasps> family tree. I said, oh, oh yeah, shoot. it would have saved me, you know, hours. <laughs> but yes. but um, so it was a good learning experience for me as every edit mm-hmm. ends up being that it's, mm-hmm. you got to ask up front. Do you have a family tree? Do you have a list of characteristics? Right. I can create it. 
but I'd be much more comfortable having you, the author, create it just so right. that I'll know what your preference is. Maybe your secondary character has red hair and then has blonde hair. And well, what do you prefer? I'd rather not just pick. And it takes mm -hmm. me longer to write up a comment saying, you know, red or blonde, red or blonde. If it's already done mm -hmm. for me, that's just less time. Right. Um, but that's really the only thing that I require from them when I first yeah. get the manuscript. I was going to ask, so do you, if they don't have one, do you mm -hmm. say, hey, I can offer this as a service for you to to come up with a character description or character outline? Or are we um, calling it a character outline or character descriptions? Because the, the business thing? is always, always evolving. <laughs> I mean, what right. I have been doing in the past is I, that'll be included in the style sheet. And my okay. style sheet will list, you know, first I've got my list of alph alphabetical names, places, yes. uh, words that I looked at, treatments that I looked at. And then there's a section for, I have a, my style sheet, a section for punctuation treatments and other, oh. you know, number treatments and that type of thing. There's that yeah. section. But then I also have a section um, that I've just copied and pasted from the original, from the original manuscript for each character. Mm -hmm. So I'll okay. go in and say, you know, Nadia and bold the name Nadia and then just paste in from the manuscript when it says Nadia has gorgeous dark hair that flows, you know, <laughs> so I'll put that in there. And then later on when it says, you know, Nadia's cute short bob, then I can say, oh, yeah, oh. no, that doesn't quite work. But yeah, by copying it from the original manuscript, then it's easier to search in the manuscript for the other uh, references to that type of thing. So I used to say I'll include the character descriptions to an extent in the style sheet. But now right. I'm starting to lean more towards having a separate, a separate. character list. And um, yeah. that seems to, it just depends on the series and what kind yeah. of a series it is and how right. many of, this, of the characters are recurring, places and that type yeah. of thing are recurring. It's hard to know what's going to be important from book to book. I know. And I, that's it changes. A, and it changes. So, so let's talk, let's dive a little deeper then. So I'm making assumptions here and tell me, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but... I feel like sci-fi might be more detailed and more complicated when you're doing these things than maybe romance. But you tell me, am I wrongfully assuming? Because they're all stories. I mean, they're right. all, you're seeing characters unfolding in the story, but how do you manage that? How do you? It's almost easier in sci-fi because, mm -hmm. oh. uh, especially on, on, on heavier and higher level sci-fi, because so much yeah. of it is created that it mm -hmm. sticks out to you more when you're editing. Oh, I see. oh I yeah. See. When that, planet is spelled with an X. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Then you okay. can pull that out and it's easier. When somebody's talking about Maple Street, sometimes you okay. don't notice that it changed to Cherry Street because it's oh such a, Oh my God. Know, right. Yes. I didn't so, even think about that. So yeah, it's, so the, the it's completely the opposite. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's the complete opposite. Yeah. Interesting. So interesting. So, okay. So you've developed this thing or they've already, the author maybe has, had developed the character list for you and you're mm -hmm. going through the copy editing process. Mm -hmm. So is it slow? Is it fast? Do you do more than one pass? What is that like from the copy editing standpoint? And then I have more questions. I need to slow down because I got more <laughs> questions that go into the copy editing, but let's focus on that for now. How how do you feel the pacing goes from an editorial um, standpoint and going into those details and keeping track of everything when it's a um, when it's a series when it's a or series for, well and, it could be well, it, anything it's, it's but pretty this, much the same yeah um, okay throughout and the first book in the series is always going to be the easiest because there's nothing to compare it with right right so right. um it depends on the pace of the writing 
you know, if it's if it's really gripping, oh, this one, the one that I just finished that didn't yeah. give me the family tree ahead of time was oh. absolutely unputdownable. It was so well written. It really oh. moved, really moved. And you just wanted to know what was going to happen next. Yes. Which is fantastic, but it's harder to edit because you tend to get kind of caught up. I always, always do at least two passes. Um, That's great. What's included in those passes depends on so many things. If it's if it's um, somebody who writes very a lot of very intricate and involved sentences, even at the sentence mm-hmm. level, um, sometimes I'll just be going for readability of sentences the first time through, and not worry so much about some of the characters and some of the places and all that type of thing because I want to get it readable for me as well as oh. for anybody else. Then I can okay. concentrate more on the smaller things. But if okay. it's written well or it's written um, in an easy style, that's a lot of dialogue, for instance, or mm-hmm. it's a lot of um, shorter sentences that just kind of move along, then sometimes I'll still get kind of caught up in the story. It's like, oh. <laughs> things will pop I, out at me that yeah. like they do when I'm just free reading, like they do for almost right. every editor. Um, but And I'll mark those things. But then once I've learned the story and I found out what happens, then I can go back and right. be a lot more careful about it. Sometimes that takes three passes. Sometimes not. Oh, it just depends. I see. Depends on how complicated or you know right. involved the characters are. Yeah. And this this question isn't so much specific to you know editing a series, but uh-huh. and this is one that you know I always wonder when I meet other editors. It's one of the questions I always ask, especially editors who focus on fiction. How mm-hmm. do you turn off the editor when you're reading something that's so engaging and you love the story and you're reading it almost it becomes entertainment? How do you mm-hmm. read as an editor and not read as a reader? So I know we can get back into the series right, right. aspect, but but uh, how do you do that? How is it? it it's got to be tough. It is tough, and, and you know it's funny you say it's not necessarily a serious question. In my case, lots of times it is a serious question because oh, the, okay. the series that I work on the most, I've done. Look at my show. I think, <laughs> I think if we just finished the fifth book. Oh um, wow. I'm so invested in these characters. I love the main characters so much, and I want to see what's going to happen with them. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll just let myself read it, you know, but do yeah. it fast <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and obviously stop when things, you know, catch your eye and such. But, um, yeah, sometimes I'll just let myself because that's part of the fun of it. Right. It is. When you're, when you're dissecting it to, at the sentence level, at the word level, then sometimes it's yeah. not quite as fun, especially if it's a yeah. really kind of laborious sentence. But, mm-hmm. but if you want to read through for the story, then read through for the story. On the other hand, um, I used to follow the copy editor handbook, you know, that the copy mm-hmm. editor handbook. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. Yep. I'm yep. I've again. got that. Uh, I've yeah. got that book. Uh, yep. You know, she recommended it three times. And oh, the first okay. time you just read it all the way through. And I used to do oh. that. And I loved it. It's like, great. I'm getting paid to read this all the way through once, it's, right? Yeah. But, yes. but I learned that I missed sometimes when there were story uh, inconsistencies mm. because when or you were reading it all would really kind of slow me down in the rest of the editing mm-hmm. because I already knew what was going to happen um, and see. that's fine but it's like wait didn't we already say this like no Erin you just already read it but she hasn't actually written it yet you know if you've read it all the way through once and not done any editing at all so you're doing it too fast then sometimes you can't remember what you've already read because you've done a whole read through versus read. what you've just read in the last paragraph or the last chapter so I don't that's do that anymore. Point. I don't. I and, see. And that's true even when I'm doing the initial review of a manuscript to do a proposal. Mm-hmm. I'll just take some little bits from the front, 
from the middle, maybe from a longer middle if it's a very long book, and just mm-hmm. see if I'm finding consi- consistent inconsistencies, you know, consistent right. problems, things that issues that come up throughout the book without spoiling myself too much because how am I going to know right. if, there's, if something's, you know, not referenced correctly in the book because these poor authors usually have written these things a million times. They've edited so many times that they don't remember what they've taken out and what they've moved around and such. Like, oh, we don't know about that yet happens in a lot of the manuscripts I, yes. I see. So yes. um, so I try to not get spoiled in that way yeah. uh, for that very reason, just for cons- the um, storyline consistency's sake. Right. And it, you do need to gauge how labor intensive it will be. But oh, then sure. if yeah. you read the whole thing, like yeah. you said, it'll spoil <laughs> it and you don't mm-hmm. want to spoil it. So now yeah. let's get deeper into this because when it comes to a series, there has to make, you have to make sure there's consist you know, consistency in the way certain things are described or certain right. characters or physical places. So in those situations and you're developing your list, if they, if the author has asked you to, um, now let's go to book two. So book two then is, okay, you're familiar with the author's writing style. You're familiar with the characters. And then something happens and, and it may, let's say it's a plot twist mm-hmm. and even you're surprised mm-hmm. and then something else happens. And then all of a sudden they're in one location, but they were in a different location before mm-hmm. and it's a full on plot hole, but yeah. you're a copy editor. Mm-hmm. So in the copy editor's perspective, and you notice and you pinpoint a plot hole, like mm-hmm. how did they get from here to here? Mm-hmm. It, lo- it logically doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You're obviously going to flag that for the author. But here's the deeper question. When you do find those, even though, you you know, copy editors focus on it's more than just, you know, it's not full blown developmental editing. But right. in those situations, do you mm-hmm. offer suggestions or okay. are you just like well, or are you just like, here's a problem that you need to fix? I used to totally freak out about those things. Like, oh my gosh, it's going to have to change so much. And then I've learned to take a step back. It's like, wait a second. Okay. If you add Mm -hmm. one sentence, will that take care of the whole thing? It's like, oh, you know what? Yes, it will. So I'll put that in the comment too. And I'll say, look, I'm noticing this. Uh, If you just add this somewhere, but Mm -hmm. maybe here, I think that'll take care of it. Again, as I always say in my comments, always your call. Uh, but I think this will deal with it appropriately unless you want to go in a different direction. You know, if I'm finding something that's really big and right. wrong, I'll put that in the cover letter as well. I'll flag it in the manuscript, but I usually am writing my cover letter to the copy edits while I'm editing. So I'll take little bits that I come across and I'll paste them into the into the uh, email that I'm developing uh, mm-hmm. so that I'll remember and I can give um, actual um examples from the text about, oh, see, you did the sentence like this. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's the kind of change that I made and here's why. And this makes it more readable, that type of thing. It's if it's a plot hole, like, you know, here she's three years older, here she's five years older. (laughs) And in in this case, it's a really important difference. Um, I'm presuming I'm going to, I'm going to edit it like it's, like it's five years older. As it turns out, no, it was supposed to be three years older. You know what? All you can do is, is make a guess. But I take the advice of people with uh, a lot more experience in the field over decades. Mine's a decade. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Awesome. But Um, uh, that that say, don't get too invested in making big changes or suggesting big changes because then they'll rely on you to do that for them. And that's not your place, which is true. At this point, it's like way too late to be doing that for the most part. So I try not to. 
Right. And that would be as of a developmental editor. So you have to it stay almost in your lane. And yeah, yeah, and you're staying in your lane. And I love that you said that you do provide or sometimes even make those if they're minor, you make those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of speaks to what we do. We're editors, we're yeah. service based, we're, right. we're, we're service based businesses where there's a lot of customer service. We want mm-hmm. our customer, our clients, we don't call them customers, we call them clients, but we want them to be happy. And you know, I learned early on when you're working with a self-published author, it doesn't have to be self-published, any author, writers, when you're finding a flaw and you're showing that to them and you're saying, this is a major problem, we have to fix it. Do you feel like it's a we or do you feel like it's a you have to fix it? You know, and it sounds like you're more of the we have to fix it and you're invested and you want to help, but to a certain degree by offering minor suggestions, mm-hmm. I think goes farther than just saying you have a problem in this, you need to fix it. You know? Right. And and plus, it's a fine line between saying, so you're going to need to come back to me for a second edit. I mean, I don't want yeah. to make them feel like I've somehow made a place for myself to get more work than when that's right. not the case and it's not right. necessary. But by the same token, I never say we, I say you. Okay. You say uh, you. In the letter. Good. In the letter. Okay. In the, in the letter. In the comments, okay. I make it, I do all sorts of passive voice. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> it, it could be this or the manuscript is uh, here. It mm-hmm. says not here. You say it's like, mm-hmm. no, here it says. Right. It so says, I, 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 I love make that. it its own okay. kind of uh, kind of entity so that they're not okay. quite so um, defensive, understandably. When you're yeah. saying you say here and then you, you say that. Uh, I'll I say know. that for the few important points that I'll include in the in the yes. email. And I love just speaking about you specifically. Your website says that you're you describe yourself as a gentle copy editor. Do you yeah, still uh, call yourself the gentle? I, I used to more than I did before. I love it though because you're showing you're you're basically revealing to all of the writers that you work with that you're not going to crush their hopes and dreams. Right. <laughs> because that's what a lot there there is that there is that out there that editors right. are so harsh and they're edit show no mercy or whatever it is that there's memes out there about editors who are right, right. so intense and we are intense but we're also super nerdy. I think that's really more of what it is. It's it's um, true, right. Yeah, yeah. But now we're getting off track. We need to focus on the series. It's so, editing, we love it. <laughs> I know there's so much to talk about. This is the editor's half hour but I want it to be the editor's two hour right because there's so much to say we'll just keep talking but, afterwards we'll just, yeah <laughs> and you know that's gonna happen so um but let's talk okay let's get back into these these plot twists or mm-hmm. the subplots and how you're tracking it and some of it is you know mentally tracking it not mm-hmm. so much on a style sheet but mm-hmm. um when you're tracking the storyline and you know you're you're probably focusing on one at a time um i mean i'm assuming i don't know if you do more than one manuscript at a time but yeah. the 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 question really is on do you want to know do you want to be aware when the author if you have a phone call with the author mm-hmm. do you want to know what's going to happen in the book or do they sometimes the author might want you to know and right. do you stop them do you say no 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 don't tell me what right. do you do um i i try to tell them up front that i don't want to know okay um but that's cool I have, well, I'll again use this most recent one that I worked on. She has been in touch with some agents and some of them wanted the first 50 pages. One of them wanted the first 100 pages. She said, can you send me those first? And I said, well, I can with the caveat that they may change a lot, you know, because I will get to the third section of your book and find out that, oh, wait, 
here she's only two years older and all this beginning part she was four years older and that's a that's kind of a big change yeah for a lot of reasons and so I'm going to go back and change those things um so it's kind of a little bit of both you know I I find out what's important and what's not by finishing the whole book and that's why it's Mm -hmm. important to go through it at least twice but whether I go Mm -hmm. Chapter by chapter, which is what I usually do, I'll I'll, mm-hmm. I'll edit a chapter and then I'll go back and re-edit it right then, because sometimes it's easier for things to pop out at me that I didn't see the first time. Okay. Um, but I won't always note plot differences, you right. know, because it's still right. within one chapter. On the other right. hand, I've gotten to really know that chapter, and so going forward, I'll go, oh no, because we talked about this three chapters ago, and that is not what this is supposed to be doing right here. So yeah, that's right. It just, again, it's a case by case. So that's, see, that's interesting because it made me almost think because you've been doing this for so long, it makes Mm -hmm. me wonder, do you, when you're approached by an author, let's say for the very first time, and I know Mm -hmm. we're jumping all over the place because I want to get into book two and book three and book four, but from the get-go, and I should have asked this at the beginning, do you have a a list or a handout or questions that you ask the author that is, hey, what are your concerns on the manuscript? Or do you just wait? You kind of let the author guide that way. I've had authors say to me, I want to know if my character's dialogue, is it believable for a teenager? Or is it believable for such and such person? Um, And I want to know what the author's concerns are with their Mm -hmm. manuscript before I get started. Do you have like a, a... database in your brain I'm sure you do (laughs) but like a a (laughs) kind of a way to to approach you just let the author lead the way and if you get a manuscript blind hopefully you're not blindly getting it you get some other outlines with it but Mm -hmm. do you just take it and go with it or do you just ask what are your concerns if you have any I usually don't ask they they almost Mm -hmm. always will offer but not always and I'll take it for what that's worth, you know, sometimes it makes an author uncomfortable to talk about it, or they want to have a fresh, fresh eyes, totally fresh, not prepared with I'm concerned about this, I'm concerned about that. If they're concerned about certain plot lines, then I tell them they need a developmental editor before they need me. Oh, good for you. I'm happy to tell them that, you know, this worked better, or this worked worse, or there was a time when somebody wanted feedback about do you even Mm -hmm. like this character? And I'll point out, you know what, I don't actually good and you say she says these things and these places but they told me that up front and i said you know there's some things she says that make her unlikable yeah and and that's not your intent for this main character it's not that kind of a book so um so yeah i'll make those kinds of of assessments if they ask for them um if they don't ask for them but a character has been one way for a long time and all of a sudden is out of character, then I'll certainly note that as well. Sometimes okay. I will find out why later on in the book and then I'll just go back and, and change my note to, I see why this person did this here now that I've read the whole book. Um, be aware, some readers, and I use some readers a lot in my comments, yes. some readers may not get any further than this because this will be so off-putting to them. That is such a good point. So when things are off-putting, mm-hmm. do you have you gone back to authors and said or suggested mm-hmm. they should probably get a conscious editor to take a look or have a All conscious time. read? What's it called? A conscious read. Um, you know what? That's that's what you and I will call them in the business. Um, yeah. Lots of times they'll call them sensitivity readers. But sensitivity readers sometimes has bad connotations for people. It's like, oh, I have to be so sensitive. It's like, no, what you're being is courteous. What you're being 
is welcoming to all your potential readers. And that's what I'll say usually in my note that, you know, they're going along loving this book. And I'll say, especially if it's a, if it's a book that they're loving, they love these characters. And then all of a sudden somebody says something that is Mm -hmm. so unwelcoming to them, to them specifically, whether it's, um, whether it's a racial question, an an Mm -hmm. ability question, all those things. It seems nitpicky to some authors until I point out to them that that their happy reader who's loving this book so much and can't wait to tell their friends all of a sudden feels unwelcome to the book because because of of a term they've used or or a way they've approached something. And it's like it's not necessary to the story. And Mm -hmm. if it's not necessary to the story, it's pretty easy to fix. Here's what I suggest and why. That longer discussion like that, I put in the cover email. I... Um, and then I, I'll yeah, go let's talk about ones. that. Yes, I want to talk about that that cover letter or cover mm-hmm. email. But I did literally have this exact conversation with a colleague this morning. She really? came across mm-hmm. a very, very um, a triggering thing in a mm-hmm. fictional uh, story, which I think mm-hmm. was a romance novel. And mm-hmm. and she just thought, oh, what do I say? And she's asking me, what mm-hmm. do I say to the author? How do I get back to them on this? And it was exactly what we kind of worked through now on you know, suggesting to them without making them feel attacked, but then saying, you know, you might want to have a sensitivity reader look at this and offer suggestions. And this could be triggering, but there's a way to go back to the author without making them feel attacked or, you know, uh, nervous about what they're going to do and and making them feel like, okay, you've got a great story, but maybe not describe it this way. Right. So that's great. That's interesting too. Um, Especially because it comes up so much. It comes know? up a lot. And, it, and a lot of it realize. is because, I mean, at least for me, a lot of my clients are retired. So mm-hmm. they're, you know, my age and older. And um, I know where they're coming from. In fact, one mm-hmm. of them that had a bunch of stuff that really needed to be fixed um, was a good friend of the family. And okay. I know he's not, he's not the way he came across in his book. I know yes. that's the case. But I also yes. know that he got some of his, his plot ideas. This was a sci-fi, mm-hmm. uh, a sci-fi slash Western. And yes. I know that he got a lot of his plot ideas from sci-fi and Western shows that we grew up watching. Oh, I see. You know, you get these yes. ideas like, oh, you know, I can work with that as kind of a seed and take it in a different direction or whatever, not realizing how bad it is. And now that we've become aware of the effect, oh my gosh, I know in, an ever, in a million years would you ever want to have that kind of effect on someone. Um, mm-hmm. Now that we're aware of it, it's mm-hmm. easy enough to fix by doing X, Y, and Z. That's great. Um, ideally, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, oftentimes, especially if it's a section and it's not mm-hmm. something that can be fixed with a change of a word or, um, or even a couple of sentences or something, if it's a character or if it's a way a character deals with things or whatever, then I'll often suggest um, sensitivity reader and I'll give them... Um, and I'll put the link to a couple of different places where they could be looking and talking to those people. That's awesome. I love that. It's it's really important to be aware. Awareness is really key, I think. Yeah. Um, so let's let's move on in this process. Yes. Let's go on this editorial journey. So now you're <laughs> you've wrapped up the second book and you know, for mm-hmm. both books that you've edited, you send them a letter. So it's in my mind, it would almost it sounds similar to like an overall evaluation, mm-hmm. but is it? Yeah. Can you explain a little bit about what that letter is and what you put into it? Um, sure. 
Uh, for me, it is uh, yeah. basically an evaluation. I mean, I gave them in the proposal, I'll give them an editorial evaluation basically on what kinds of things would need to be fixed. And here's how I'd fix them and why, uh, which is almost always a readability thing, mm -hmm. a readability question. Um, but in the cover email to the actual edit, um, I'll always thank them first for the opportunity. And then I'll, I'll pick up on what I liked best about it. Uh, what was great for it, even the, with the manuscripts that I honestly didn't care for that much, which is almost always because they didn't, as much as I begged, ever go to a developmental editor and so, or a writing coach or anything. They just had the story they wanted to put out there. Okay, so I loved this section especially. If you do more, mm -hmm. I would really concentrate on doing more of this kind of work because this really shines. That was fantastic. And then I'll say, okay, now let's go on to the, you know, the nuts and bolts. And then I'll explain to them that I use Chicago and most of the changes that I made are, um, are with that in mind. Although I'm not a stickler on that. It's more, is your reader going to understand what you're trying to say? If they have to stumble at all. And I, I'd like to say they burst that magical bubble that you've created, you know, because right. they stumbled. And it's like, I have to read the sentence three times to understand what it means. That's you totally taking them out of the story. So I'll explain that, that kind of thing. And then, um, if they have some sentence structure issues that pop up a lot, I'll explain that. And then little mm -hmm. things like, you know, Chicago does ellipses like this. So you'll see those a right. lot. You know, just right. little things like that, I'll explain. And, um, but if it's a really, if there's a really big issue, especially if it's a sensitivity issue, I'll yeah. often save that till the end or okay. close to the end. Sometimes I'll That's finish smart. off with the cute, here's some punctuation stuff, by the way, or whatever. But, yes. but, yes. but I want them to understand most of it and then understand my, my overall concern about, that particular issue. That's great. Um, and that's so smart that they know to do that it I, that way. That yeah, because they've seen all the nuts and bolts. They've seen all the, you know, if there are timeline issues, what have you. Um, I'll save that kind of towards the end and say, okay. Again, it depends on the on the weight of it. You know, if it's not that right. not a big section, then I'll put it up higher. And then right. if the bigger problem overall is the timeline issue, then I'll say, but here's the real, Here's the, not the real right. issue. I'll, I'll say, here's the bigger issue, the thing that may cause you to make a lot of changes, you know, and then Absolutely. I'll, I'll go over it, all of that. But but I yeah. always tell them at the at the top of the, near the top of the email anyway, please, please, please read this before you open this. Before edit. you open this. So that's so hard Aaron, to, get them to do. <laughs> that is so genius that that is so genius to say that because you can literally knock them off their, like they will knock them off their socks, like, or knock their socks off with, in a bad way, I guess, what's the negative way? Knock them off their chair with all these track changes that are yes. so overwhelming. Yes. And they feel bad and they think right. I'm not a good writer, mm -hmm. but that's not the case. So right. genius. All the editors listening to this need to do this. <laughs> if they're <laughs> handing a manuscript back with a letter and really talking about the overall um, issues, things, and, and also you mentioned adding in the things that were so great about it. Mm -hmm. So I think giving that author that boost of confidence that they did do a good a, a good job, mm -hmm. but there's some things, nothing's perfect, mm -hmm. you know. If it's, if it's a wonderful manuscript that I absolutely loved, I'll tell them that. And I'll also tell them, I don't say this to everybody. Because, I love that. <laughs> because That's nice. you know, if it's really that special, then I want to make right. sure that they understand that I'm not just blowing steam, but it's, that it's actually right. the case that I, I loved this book. I just loved That's this book so much. That's your version of the handshake on Great British Bake Off. Right, exactly. <laughs> Hollywood handshake. The Hollywood, the Hollywood right. handshake is when when you say that, that's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'll, I'll try to make sure that's clear to them. And then the other thing I always, whenever I'm talking to somebody about editing, I'll try to make sure that they understand 
because it took me a long time to understand this myself as a professional editor, that I'm not going to catch everything. And that kills me to say it used to be, I used to get so mad when I would see, you know, misprints in books and such, but I didn't understand how much the publishing world has changed since I was you know, growing up and, and reading books that had been edited by, you know, a team of five and, you know, it doesn't happen that way anymore. And so I, I tell them, I always include a paragraph. It's boilerplate for me, basically, but it says, uh, I'm hoping that I, I caught everything, but understand that I made, and then I've learned to go into the manuscript and in word, you can find out how many changes you made. Oh, okay. Um, Like in track, like the track changes, you can, there's What's a the number. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me this. It's a, yeah. um, and I forgot to look it up, but when you're in the, the oh, it's a review panel. If you click, oh, right. When you're going to, when you're on the track changes section and you click on review panel and it'll come up as a vertical review panel, usually it irritates me <laughs> whenever yes. it pops up on its own. Yes, But if you look too. at the very top, it'll tell you how many revisions you've made. Okay. And that okay. can be really eye-opening. eye-opening and so I tell my clients look I made 5,000 revisions to your manuscript and don't worry that's not an unusual number which is yes. true it's not um, but if the industry standard is a 95% catch rate 5% of this 5,000 is more than a couple of things that I might have missed and so right. you as the author have an obligation to go over this so very carefully um, before you send it off to be formatted. Once you format it, you really owe it to yourself, to your manuscript, to the team to get a proofreader to come through because it's going to lower the number of errors that that are remaining because there's always going to be a couple no matter what. No. But um, and, 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 and an they editor, don't understand that until you tell them. Right, <laughs> right. And we know this, right? So we know in our minds how many people need to read, how many editors and types of editors that need to read it. But this is such a good reminder, if you're the copy editor, to make these statements to the author so they are aware. They're just not aware that it's going to need a proofreader, that it's going to need another, you know, once over by another editor. So this has been so insightful for editors out there who are maybe dealing with a series for the first time. I still have a thousand questions to ask you. But again, like I said, this is a half hour is stepping into your life uh, and what you deal with and how you manage editing a series. So to wrap it up, what is one thing that you learned that you are just like, I wish I had known this when I started editing this series that you can share with someone like me? I'm still I'm doing it right now. But Mm -hmm. Someone like me, somebody who is a seasoned professional, but is unfamiliar with a trilogy or a full-blown series. Let's say there's five books. What is the one thing? If there was one thing, I'm sure there's five things, but if there was one thing, (laughs) (laughs) one thing that you're just Uh like, please do not forget to do this. What is that thing? Uh, That would be that when you are working on editing the subsequent manuscripts, that you have the other manuscripts open on your computer on a second sheet what second screen what have you so that you can do a quick search okay and you use perfect it and even though you use perfect it you Mm -hmm. have more than one manuscript so you'll have book one open while you're doing Mm -hmm. book two Mm -hmm. okay what about book three you have one and two open on this last one i had all four open oh my god all four manuscripts open on my lower screen so that when i went when when something was referenced about somebody's age hair color, whatever, I could just do a quick search because 
the characteristics changed sometimes through the books. And so, wow, I know that's fast. And you do have a dual monitor. Yeah. Do you have, or do you have, oh, great. Well, I have a laptop and then I have a stand. So same, same. And it helps. It helps to kind of move things around. Yes. Again, I have thousands of questions (laughs) and I I feel like we, we did, we did scratch the surface. We did go a little deeper, but um, I think it, we, you gave enough um, of that support for the editor who's then going to take on this amazing task of editing for series. And would you do it again? Would you, would you take on more of these? Absolutely. So much fun. I knew the answer to that question. Yeah. I would too. <laughs> Spoiler, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Erin. And I hope everybody got as much out of this as I did um, and are excited to take on editing for a series. Thanks Thank so you. much, Nadia. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Editor's Half Hour. This podcast is your go-to resource for editorial trends, opening the discussion for new ideas through the real-life stories of editors. For more information about Nadia Jaja Pupa and her business, visit peakpublishing.com. That's P-I-Q-U-E publishing.com. Be sure to follow Peak Publishing on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And remember to subscribe and follow The Editor's Half Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world. 